late January, the wind is blowing, it's really chilly, and there's a six-year-old purebred Simital cow that calved about three months ago. The owners have been watching her for a few days because she seems jumpy. She's maybe a little off feed. Debating whether or not to take a look at her, they decided to bring her to town. We'll find out what happened to her on this episode of Bovine Science with BCI. I'm Brad White, joined today by Dr. Matt Meisner. Good morning, Matt. As always, happy to be here. So we're, we're happy to have you because we always like these cases that you bring to us because you bring us cases that you've seen as you go through and have these different interactions with clients. And this one is interesting because initially, we don't even know if this is a case because the owners call and, and I think you talked to them on the phone and said, should we bring her in or not? And you have that debate. How do you make that decision? Should they bring her in or not? Well, I think in the end, I'm using their eyes and their awareness of this individual. You know, they live with them. They know what's going on. I have some ideas of what might be happening, and maybe we ought to do a little bit of triage. But oftentimes, uh, if it doesn't sound like it's super critical, we'll say, hey, just bring them on in. I can see better what, what you're talking about if I can have a look at them. So when you get to talk to them on the phone, what are some questions that you ask to kind of maybe triage because I've got a couple different responses here a I could go to the farm b they could bring her in or c we could do nothing and somehow I've got to sort through that in this case where you have really vague clinical signs what are some questions that you use to elicit from the owner Yes, I need to do A, B, or C. A couple of things. I think I'm trying to determine, is it going to be more of a widespread problem? I can usually maybe anticipate magnitude if they have others. You know, say, hey, real quickly, see anybody else doing a similar thing? You know, is this potentially going to add up? And I want to know their individual's attitude. Are they going to be unstable in a trailer? You know, are they going to potentially have some exacerbation of whatever we might be thinking when they get in the trailer and haul them? Those kind of things. Uh, other things are, this one is pretty pretty straightforward. I mean, overall attitude seemed okay, but man, if they look super depressed or, or whatnot, maybe we'll get them on the trailer sooner or later. But some of these, gosh, you might stress them out worse, get them on the trailer. So initially, we're going to try to figure out how bad each individual problem is. And I think more stability on how the, the cow looks before they get in. This one, actually, we had some ideas and I was kind of thinking maybe we we might want to stop and treat a little bit before, but I said, ah, just bring her on. So is there thinking about, and kind of the history on this cow, a l- little bit different than maybe some others, because she was an embryo donor, Yep. but but not, they weren't currently going through any setup, sync programs, anything with her. Correct. So she had no, um, she was not, not being set up. There was no real reason to have thoughts on drugs causing any of this or cycling or, you know, potentially being ridden by other cows, different things that I could think of that would be behavioral that would be going on. This is kind of a cool case of presentation that was just a physiologic physiology lesson for all of us, which is kind of cool. And this cow, appetite, when you ask him on the phone before you get a chance to see her, appetite or any other issues in the herd? Sure. So she's eaten. She's a chow, chow hound. I mean, you, when you see her body condition, you know that too. But she was, she loved it. But she was also one of those that tend to get bossed around by the other cows. So she ate her share, but she may be getting a little leftover. She may not be getting the meat of the ration as everybody else was because she kind of backed off or they would back her off before she would get to eat. She would eat her share, but makes you wonder what this is a mixed ration that she's getting and what she getting when she does eat. The proverbial easy keeper and then she's right. when she can yeah. she's putting that weight on yeah but she's not the first one up to the bunk or aggressive so nope. which confounds a little bit when we're thinking about this behavior being maybe a little bit tra- depressed off by herself 
it's hard to sort that out from is this her or is she is she sick so they they bring her into the clinic and tell me what you see on the the physical exam so physical exam you know she's a show cow donor cow typically you know should be pretty calm moving around she was a little bit of course they they mentioned jumpy you know so she was a little uh, hyper excitable with with noises or as we moved around quickly she would kind of you know dance around like a little bit more lively cow than you would expect and and though you know she was bright and alert you know so there was really no real depression but in the client's eyes this was a little abnormal behavior for this cow so a little bit a little bit jumpy and as you mentioned her her body score so if we do body scores one to nine she was a seven out of nine yeah meaning she's got some fat around the tail head, around the ribs, and a little bit jumpy. What about the physical exam findings there? Rest of it quite boring. Um, you know, a little little tachypnic, so a little, little, a little bit heavy, tachycardic a little bit, you know. So I think the, the elevations were like probably 90 heart rate, maybe the respiratory rate was in the 30s. You know, it was cool. Now they're inside. They just traveled. T- temperature, body temperature was normal. The rates were fine. She was moving good. She didn't have sunken eyes. She didn't look dehydrated. Didn't have any of those other clinical signs of severe depression, dehydration, or inappetence. Um, she wasn't bloated. She was passing good manure. Udder looked fine. Calf looked fine. So then, in, in addition to this cow, the calf itself looked fine. You know, so he was alert. Didn't look under undernourished. She was obviously allowing him to nurse uh, and go with that. But she just seemed a little bit excitable for this cow. Yeah. So which is, which is odd because I was. I'm playing through as we're, we're working through. Some of the stuff you said kind of made me think maybe GI or something if she's been off feed or if she's got a little bit higher heart rate, but then everything we're finding there looks normal. Some of it makes me think neuro by being a little bit excitable, but it's I'm trying to figure out what body system. So at, at this point, what did you decide to do next? Um, well, we finished our exam, and, and they had mentioned also she had a little bit of muscle tremors when she would stand, which I noticed. But again, uh, she just traveled in a trailer, and it wasn't that far, maybe maybe an hour or so. And so we said, well, let's go ahead and pull some blood. Um, and she was worth spending some some uh, money on that. Maybe she had some underlying metabolic syndromes, which we can think of, or maybe some early infectious, maybe something, there was something brewing inside. So maybe she had a little bit, possibly stomach ulcers. I mean, I can think of a bunch of different low-grade, uncomfort, discomfort-type syndromes that might happen. That's kind of what it sounds like. She's, I mean, because I could see the tremors maybe being with pain yeah. associated with some sort of GI or other syndrome. Yep, absolutely. And so now, outside in, eh, a little vague, so let's look inside out. And so oftentimes we'll, we'll run some blood looking for specific changes. We're not just randomly running it, but now I can look from the inside out, see if there's any organ changes, metabolic, infectious-type situations that are arising. So CBC chem panel, or is there anything specific that you're running? Nope. Specific, well, our chem, it was a full chem, which would have, you know, all of our electrolytes. We had add magnesium on those back then, but we added that just to have a full chemistry panel. CBC was pretty straightforward as well. So after you drew blood, there's a little bit of a change in her signalment. What happened then? Right. So in this situation, um, you know, I guess we put it in, in the light is that she seemed okay Actually, even clients, we discuss things where I go, maybe she, maybe we jumped the Glen a little bit. And, you know, in our, my mind, I'm like, well, I'm not sure. You, you have that feeling, you know, just like, hmm, maybe, maybe not. But it's right. She's worth being here, so let's just keep an eye on her. Within, you know, just have that discussion. Let's check her in. Have no problem. Then that five minutes of discussion, everybody's left, leaves the cow. We walk in, and she's in a full-blown convulsion. 
Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so, so you're debating whether or not to send her home yeah. right away, and then she goes into full-blown convulsions. So laying on her side, weren't, you want to describe what, it, what yeah. did you see on her? So laying on her side, head and neck extended, you know, almost like an office thought neck type posture, rigid limbs pointed outwards, um, just look like a more of a, you know, we kind of differentiate between seizure and convulsion, but this would be kind of more of a, you know, just seemed like an overall conversion, convulsion type situation, just like stiff, rigid. So help me remember, seizure versus convulsion, what's the, what's the uh, difference? I'm not sure I could really even tell a difference either, other than you have to kind of estimate uh, awareness, I guess. You know, she seemed aware, you know, so I mean, she could see, she almost looking around going, what the heck's going What's on? What's going on with me? I was going to just call it more of a convulsive type episode. Whereas seizures, we'd expect more of the loss of awareness yeah. or surroundings or anything like that. Yeah, and yeah, I think you can get picky on those. I usually not too mean on those deals. But anyway, it was definitely dramatic, a way change, you know, so. I didn't ask you specifically before this part happened. When you drew the blood, our, our differential list had lots of stuff on it, and we really don't have a smoking gun or pointing nope. in one direction. Now... You can form a little bit different differential list. What's right. on your list? So I still I still keep some of those little oddities on in that we went from, okay, you know, now we're trying to determine is this central, is it systemic, is it general, is it something else? So, you know, occasionally you'll see some really odd cases where you have either syncope, so we could have cardiac, we could have potentially a central inflammatory. Maybe she had some kind of meningitis or something that was brewing, even though she was afebrile, some of those things. Or we start looking into some of the metabolic things. And I think metabolic changes or metabolic conditions seem to be at the top of your list because those are things certainly we can treat and certainly things that would, um, you could almost formulate a, a reasoning behind it. And you've now got clinical signs and maybe even a setup. You know, when you see a, a dramatic change like this, now those mild signs that you were noticing, the trembling, the hyperexcitability, all of those mild things, all of a sudden might come to light. Start a clicking. Bit. Start yeah. clicking a little yeah. bit where you say, well, maybe that. Now, things where you said like a, maybe a meningitis or are, are we thinking other neurologic disease? And is this where you were making the distinction between seizure and convulsion? Because some of the other things I start thinking about, whether they're toxic, like lead, or infectious like something like rabies as an as an offshoot are those still on the list or where do they rank in they're there they're there and they're they're certainly you know never want to get blinders on i suppose you know and usually our rabies are a little bit more dull you know some of these toxic things and it certainly could be i mean we're we're running those in um, i usually i they're a little bit slower on i mean they're i guess it might be a slow onset in this case but it just went from zero to a hundred and overnight you know or well, within five minutes it's yeah. less than overnight yeah. between you between <laughs> exactly. drawing blood and and turning yeah. around yeah she's on yep. the, so you wouldn't expect that so the the progression makes you think okay maybe some of those things are a little bit we were so, sitting on the table now we just fell off you know that's kind of where we're at what about musculoskeletal like potentially injury trauma would it would it fit this scenario or no it i suppose if you had a central trauma but it's pretty low on the list and again usually those now we've essentially got a down cow um and, and i'll say you know as we go on but usually the musculoskeletal reasoning they almost present usually pretty bright and alert in general so if i'm thinking of a, a peripheral neuro primary muscle maybe a fracture or even a primary muscle trauma severe even the infectious things, we should have a, a slower onset for that, or a sudden onset. But their use their attitude is good, and it's, their attitude is usually solid. You know, they're they're bright, they're alert. They're sometimes eating. They'll have a completely luxated hip and be eating right in front of you. 
So, so after she had her convulsion, it stopped with treatment. So oh, it didn't we, stop until exactly. So we had now we're thinking, okay, I don't have blood work yet, but I've got a progression of disease. I've now got a pretty dramatic change. It's not going to hurt to do a little bit of uh, intervention here because we're times on our, not on our side at this point when you're in a full blown like that. So, um, the, quick thing was potentially start thinking of the metabolics. The nice thing is we have some com- combination products that we can try to replace some of those deficiencies that we might have. So calcium, magnesium, potassium, phosphorus, those kind of things. We can at least kind of shotgun a little bit um, to, to try to at least support her until I can get a confirmation on my blood work. So her, her calf is three months old. We're in late January, just to recap. So, so we're thinking, or at least I'm thinking, maybe wrongly, Low calcium is, is high on my list to go to go along with some of this. Although usually with low calcium, you don't see that muscle rigidity, that convulsions. They're just they're just going to go down. Or am I thinking wrong? Nope, you're right. And just re- again, the calcium situation usually it's a little more periparturient, so we might see that she was a heavy milking cow. It was a big calf. Usually that one goes through stages. So you know they kind of get a little cold. They'll have a little bit of weakness, and then they'll go down. And it can be pretty rapid, but usually not from you know to walking fine to just convulsions it's certainly possible but i think in calcium it's a little low on list beef cow three months in eh, it's we've possible. passed our lactation yeah peak. yeah yeah <laughs> even if she's a heavy milker we've yeah, passed yep it. yep and we you know we do see hypocalcemia in these cows but this just didn't fit yeah and then hypomagnesemia i'm thinking grass tetany right i'm thinking beef cows out on grass well it's january 21st she's not out on grass right yeah and so then we start putting in this kind of that physiologic reasoning behind things so on these ones um it's still i guess i've got clinical signs that are pretty suspicious in a, in a setup that would be suspicious definitely not spring grass grass tetany but um, we can see quote tetany which is kind of this convulsion stiffness rigidity that we kind of described with magnesium with other setups so again it's it's all diet it's all dietary absorption of magnesium and and metabolism uh, homeostasis of magnesium which is interesting so so you treated her so she's down you took blood before we got a chance to run the blood she goes down starts convulsing you say immediately could be low magnesium and even if it's not, that's what I have and can treat her. What, what was your kind of shotgun therapy on the fly? Sure. And a, sing, a single dose of, of, uh, of some IV mag is not going to hurt anything. A single dose of some IV calcium is not going to usually hurt anything. And again, she's probably borderline anyway. Um, potassium, probably not. So I know that one dose is not going to hurt anything if given appropriately, but it's not. It could only help, right? So um, we know that a single dose is fine repeated doses but i know for an emergency situation like this um, we can at least give a dose get her somewhat stable until we can get some answers and then start thinking about it you know and we didn't mention it too much but phosphorus deficiency is another one but again um, those ones don't convulse they just get down they just look at you and they they just they're not convulsing they're just weak and down so that was in our cmpk which is a, the combined product that we gave um, instead of just calcium, it has a magnesium um, and a phosphorus, even though it's not terribly bioavailable phosphorus formulation. Um, and then we got potassium in that too, so we're okay. Um, so we gave her uh, that combination product, a bottle of that intravenously, and actually she stabilized quick. She 
looked exhausted, but sat somewhat sternal, but was nowhere near going to be able to get up. But at least it stopped the convulsions initially. Um, so, and did you treat her with anything else? Yeah, time? we did. Anti-inflammatories, yeah. antibiotics. Yeah, we went ahead and gave her some anti-inflammatories um, from that type of situation, just some non-steroidals. Um, hadn't started any antibiotics or anything just yet, just because with, we're just waiting a little bit more just to be a little judicious on what we needed there and um, didn't really see a need for for an antibiotic at this point. But certainly an anti-inflammatory after an episode like that was worth it. And, and how come non-steroidals versus steroidals in her I think you can go anyway. I really don't think, I mean, sometimes, well, yeah, I think uh, in that situation, I wasn't sure exactly where we were at. We certainly, we, we debated, to be honest with you, um, to give her some dexamethasone just in case we had a central inflammatory. But some of the data would say that some of those central inflammatory conditions are not terribly responsive to steroids as we thought. You know, we used to be okay. given back problems, steroids, and everything steroids. Yeah. I think Dr. Apley actually had a nice uh, review on the use of steroids for um, these central things. And um, uh, for generalized inflammation, would be fine. But I, we just thought, well, let's just give her some analgesia here and some anti-inflammatories. So, so we know she's going to need that yep. after that convulsion. Yep. And I can always go up in, a, in an anti-inflammatory. So I gave banamine. I needed something stronger. I could give a steroid after that. Yep. So during that time, she stabilized a little bit. You got your blood work back. What did your blood work show? <laughs> so it was, you know, we read the the numbers, you know, a ra- uh, uh, I guess uh, ranges that you look at in the in the textbooks and so you know you get somewhere below two you might start to get weak and go down you get below one you might start having a seizure etc etc right this one was 0.2 milliequivalents per deciliter wow yeah so yeah. hardly any and zero yeah and like how the heck and this was when she was standing right so i'm like holy smoly so it's uh, an eye opener realize that sometimes the textbooks may be a little bit it's an average right yeah. so um so it's also an amazing uh situation with a bovine how they can do how they can overcome things like that so yes extremely extremely low and uh, that's that's an important finding and that was serum right so even that's a little bit variable but to be that low in serum and standing tells me i'm probably going to have a pretty significant deficit um as we go into this so based on that, what are what are next steps on treatment for her? Do we how how do you figure out? Because you mentioned one one time dose, I'm not too worried about any adverse consequences. Do I dose her several times? How do I calibrate? How much more do I need to give her? Can I keep going IV? Do I give some oral? What are what are my choices on a case like this? Absolutely. So we know we know that is really low. Calcium was normal. So calcium was good, calcium was okay, those things were, were normal. And so that combined product, remember, I cannot give multiple doses of calcium or I'll end up with a pretty significant uh, changes in heart function, rate, strength. Um, so I can't really keep giving that combo product, but now I know specifically I've got magnesium, so then I start looking for options to replace magnesium by itself. Um, one of the most effective ways was essentially oral magnesium oxide, which is just Epsom salts, those kind of things that we can administer orally through a drench. We do have some magnesium paste, so there's some gels that it can give. We could try to mix up an, an IV solution with magnesium, a little trickier, a little dangerous, and when I'm at that level, I'm a little bit nervous of teetering uh, heart rates and function off, and so best way is to give her a big suppository oral, but also with potassium and other ratios that are going to allow absorption of that. So, 
So you kind of made up your own to drench her, and then did you pass it to and yep. give it to her that way, or did you just orally let her drink some, or how did how did you administer? Nope, it? we mixed up um, an oral drench and passed a tube and gave it that way. We made sure she was somewhat sternal and somewhat stable, so that was good. Um, we added a little bit of potassium with that too. Um, just allow absorption. Supposedly, you know, there's some thoughts on how magnesium absorbs in the rumen, and that's the only place it really absorbs in the ruminant, the, uh, you know, mature ruminant at this stage. You know, younger ages, they'll do it in the colon, and then we could potentially do an enema. There's thoughts on that, but um, it can be a little irritating too, so I was always a little bit nervous about causing some colitis with rectal magnesium. If we needed to, we could, but she would take it oral. So we drenched her with, um, we, we mixed up some like a cup or so of uh, Epsom salts with water, drenched her, gave her some oral magnesium paste as well. Um, and then I think I did go ahead and give her one more dose of the CMPK just to get a little bit to keep her somewhat stable. And then fed her a high mag type feed. So she she started to eat some hay, some alfalfa, some things that we could get, so get into her. Now I've heard before, or at least I understood, maybe misunderstood, you correct me. If we're giving it orally, it's, it's less likely for us to have overdose issues as opposed to giving something IV, whether it's magnesium or calcium, and maybe these two are totally different and help me if they are. But, but if I'm giving it orally, am I less likely to have toxicity issues just because she's going to absorb what she can or not? Or is that yeah, so it's less likely to have toxicity. I can say that if you give too much of a hypertonic oral solution, that again, it, it oftentimes won't absorb correctly, right? So you end up with that osmotic gradient, electrochemical gradients that won't allow it to absorb normally. So I can, I'm, we estimated kind of about a cup in solution to keep it somewhat isotonic with whatever we think's in a rumen. But so yeah, so more may not be better for the reason that I'm just gonna have a wad of Epsom salts. Cause, it, cause then I just have that Epsom salts absorbing stuff yeah. into the rumen yeah. instead of it going the other way. Exactly, exactly. And then then we started thinking about, you know, I also added just plain old table salt to this a little bit. Um, and we added a little bit just to try to keep somewhat of an isotonic solution. But it, uh, but yeah, exactly. So yeah, it may not be toxic, but I may not get it to absorb. So, Better to do that oral drench than like the oral, and I'm thinking about some of the other grass technique cases too, which is hypomagnesemia. Better to do that oral drench that you mix up or uh, paste, or are they equivalent? I we gave a mixture of both. Hers is point two. You're gonna <laughs> right. I've got products that are made for that that are that are balanced for it. I needed. I figured that we're probably going to need a little extra than what we had based on that deficit, and we started repeating. She was. A valuable enough cow that we could sequentially follow it so that we could sort of measure how well we were doing yeah. and she's now a downer it was kind of in and out of uh, she would kind of fade in and out of consciousness for a little while and then for a couple of days she was still a little bit abnormal mentally but uh unable to rise for new we kind of got her up about day 20 about hour 24 36 and she'd go back down and up and down and this took several days of repeated drenching monitoring blood work repeated iv type things to get her going so in a complete total body deficit and that's what's kind of cool part about magnesium um kind of a bad thing about magnesium but it's kind of what they eat is what they get you know and there's really unlike calcium and phosphorus and those where they can change the levels in the blood uh, based on some hormonal changes differences you know bone resorption you know, you name it magnesium no you know that's what they eat they got and uh over time they can deplete their total body just the body stores milking peeing it out those kind of things so so you're making me 
think that there wasn't enough magnesium in her diet. Yeah. Is that the source in this so case? I think we figured she's marginal. The clients were really good, and their nutritionist was right on it when we mentioned what we had. And so they started looking at the amount in the diet. So that might have been marginal. Was there any supplemental mag? So there was any high mag blocks? No. So they added that. Um, then they started looking at potassium and sodium levels in the mixed ration because those concentrations will alter absorption of magnesium as well. So if you're marginal and then you're not absorbing what you had just because you've got too much sodium or too much potassium or too little or too too much, then um, that changes what they get too. And now you got a cow that also was getting maybe some leftovers and maybe not getting the meat of the ration and she may have been teetering as well. So it's kind of a that whole cool physiology of the mag. And when we talk about grass tetany in the spring, same thing. These these grasses are changes in sodium and potassium as they're growing fast and sunlight and all that fun stuff that we quiz students on um, that changes that, that diet to allow magnesium that may be in short supply anyway to not absorb too well in the rumen. So. And if we don't absorb it, we don't have a big store right. is what you're saying, right? right? Like yeah. Calcium, we can mobilize. It takes a little time. Yep. We can mobilize. Magnesium, I don't have a big place that I can go pull that from. Right. It's not like we can say, hey, you know, just like calcium, we can't just turn on some of these things and pull some out of the bone real quick or absorb more from the gut real quick. Nope, kind of what comes in the rumen gets absorbed, gets used, gets peed out or excreted. And if you're too far not doing that for a few days, then you start kind of slowly depleting stores. And so she's in kind of a total body deficit at this point. Excellent. So kind of kind of working back through this case, what was her what was her resolution after you treated her for several days? She recovered. She recovered. Um, she was still pretty weak, you know, so even though she went home, she was a little bit weak in the back that uh, mentioned that it took her a while to recover. You know, even at home, she was eating well, but it she was a little bit worn out from the whole situation. But it took almost three to four days before we actually got her up strong enough and her getting up and down on her own. So an aberrant presentation of hypomagnesemia due to the lack in the diet. But I think a couple interesting take-homes here that will apply to any of our hypomagnesemias is you, you saw her, she was standing up with a very, very low level of magnesium. She went into her convulsions, immediately treated her with the IV, and then followed up with oral drench and oral paste and treated her for a number of days, which is sometimes the challenge because some, in some operations are spring grass tetany we don't find them until they've already been down for 12 hours or yeah. whatever period of time. Hard to get them to come back, but you're able to get her to come back. Nice job. Thanks for coming to share with us, Dr. Yeah. Meisner. That's a fun one. It's a, it's a cool one to look at, and I think uh, just kind of remembering the, there's a whole bunch of ways to low, drop mag, and that's a little unusual. We always talk about the, the grass technique cases and the ones that will attack you getting out of the pasture and, and those kind of things. This one's kind of cool because you had to use the physiology to make recommendations to not have more, right? So we right. didn't want to have another two or three come in. Well, and, and caught her, identified it, and were able to make the adjustments. Yeah, and, and they were they were on it for the nutrition side of it. So Thanks, Dr. Cool. Mishner. Appreciate, appreciate you joining us. Fun one.